kill off stage as much as you kill on stage. So if you're, when I started, everyone was telling me to rock the stage, rock that 30 minutes, rock that 15, rock that 45 minutes. My tip is to kill off stage. Are you killing your organization? Are you killing in advertising? Are you killing on social media? Are you killing in your personal life? Like kill off stage with the same intensity as you want to kill on stage. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast. Rick Roberts here. Got a good episode for you today with Mike Goodwin. Bowtie, Bowtie Comedy of Mike Goodwin. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, some really good tips for not only just beginners, but people have been doing it for a while. He's very honest and transparent and lets us know some of the successes as well as some of the tough times that led to being a better comedian. All good stuff from Mike Goodwin. You can check him out at ComedianMikeGoodwin.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for the episode, the Art of Bombing podcast. You'll hear a little bit more about that in the middle of today's show. Uh, the Art of Bombing goes into deep detail on comics and shows that did not go well. It's a fun listen, a variety of comics. Uh, comics sometimes you wouldn't hear necessarily on this podcast. You might hear on that podcast. So you'll catch some stories and some folks you haven't heard before. That's always a good thing and different points of view. So check out the Art of Bombing podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast you know we couldn't do the show if we didn't have a little bit of sponsorship and you can pitch in and sponsor the show for seven dollars a month you can join us on the uh, patreon level of club 52 which will get you a weekly email to help you tune up your comedy career the business the performing the writing all those things are covered in those 52 emails one each week uh, you sign up you get one that day and then every seven days another one arrives in your inbox and I did that because if I told you everything you needed to do, which is everything I need to do as well, you can't do it all at the same time. But through Club 52, you get bite-sized, actionable tips delivered to your inbox once a week, and you can take that week and knock out the tasks that I'm giving you every single week. Nothing is overwhelming where it's going to take you more than that week, and it won't take you the entire time. But it gives you something you can focus on each week. And by the end of the year, you should notice a difference in your website presence, your presence on stage, and the presence that your fans are bringing to you because you're blessing them so much with your incredible comedy. Hey, I don't know about that last one, but it's a good thing. Club 52, check it out. Go to schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And lastly, before we get into today's episode, we have a graduation show coming up at Third Coast Comedy Club right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, check out Third Coast Comedy Club for more details or email me, schooloflaughs at gmail.com if you'd like to know more about how to get tickets and see that. And I guess this is the very last, lastly, if you want to catch me doing the warm-up for the Huckabee show on TBN, I'll be doing that three times in July. You can catch me on July 13th, that's a Friday, 17th, that's a Tuesday, and on the 27th, another Friday. All right, let's get into today's episode with Mike Goodwin. Mike is a funny guy. I've known him for maybe five to seven years, but this is the first chance we really got to sit down and talk for almost an hour. I edited a little bit out of it uh, here and there, but uh, you're going to get to know him as well as I got to know him. Very cool guy. And let's check out the episode. I'll talk to you on the flip side. 
Well, I am here with Mike Goodwin. How's it going, man, bud? Good, man. Outstanding. I've been trying to get you on for a long oh. time, but I always prefer to do this face-to-face if I can. Right, so right, right. So thanks for carving out time. Well, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here. Well, it's good to see you. Um, Last night I got to catch a longer set because I've only seen like five to seven minute sets right, when we've like done showcase, little showcases together. Right. Last night, man, it was a nice it was a nice pace. Yeah, it was solid material all the way through, and the crowd was totally into it. Very um, confident on stage without being cocky. They fe- I just felt like the crowd was like whatever you wanted to do with them, they were ready to go. It was fun, man. You know, I think the new thing I'm really working on is my timing, like mm-hmm. just holding it, holding it, holding it till that edge. And there were moments where people started laughing in that space of time. Nice. Like if I would have yeah. just went on with the next joke, I would have lost that good laugh. Yeah, so. it takes a little while to get patient, doesn't right. it? Right. Just to just be, you know, it's just like watching a jump shot fall. Like you, There's a space of time between when it leaves your hand and when it hits the net. So sometimes yeah. that shot takes a little longer, and sometimes it's a, it's kind of like a, a direct shot. So last night I was kind of shooting more with our arc in it. So you were Steph Curry in it last yeah, night. Yeah, I was shooting them from super rainbows, <laughs> like let a <laughs> like a U turn U upside down. Right. So you just let it go, and it's gonna fall. And it falls harder. <laughs> like that's the thing. It, it picks up gravity. Like right. you're like, oh, is this gonna where's this gonna go? Oh, it's gonna go right in. It's, and it's like right a bigger. In. It's a bigger payoff. And then when it hits, it's like wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's a. That's the first time I used that analogy, so that's a cool analogy. That works out. And is that a, a focus you have here lately of, of walking that line and stretching it out a little bit more? And right. And I'm going to tell you what happened. I saw – I went to a play. Went to a play, and it was this play about the small town, and a woman died that they thought was a woman, but when they died, when she died, they found out it was a man. Oh, so man. the play was set up between the bar where the men were and the uh, – beauty salon with the women so they were having conversations so there was one scene where the i think the men found out or the women found out that miss ida what was mr ida and they had to make a phone call mm-hmm. to the other and so when the guy picked up the phone just he just didn't say anything and the audience like we just were pulsating to laugh like we just were like and right. it just kept building and he was like, and he would say like, ah, uh, yeah, I need to. Uh, it, the longer he waited, the laughter just kept generating. The anticipation. I was like, wow, I think I can use that. Uh-huh. I think I can utilize that little technique. Of just everybody knows it's funny. They know it's coming, but you just hold it, and man, when you release the laughter, it just it's really full. So yeah. I, well, I, first off, that's that's cool to always pick up stuff from other performances and go and go to see live experiences. Right. You know, I remember back when I first moved here, we went to see a Brooks and Dunn in concert, like an outdoor theater. Right. And I'm just, I'm a pretty good, they had a lot of hits, so I'm like, this will be fun. But just watching the way they kept the crowd involved because, you know, their songs are kind of the same right. bunch of songs. And then right. they slow it down. And the bun- but from the T-shirt guns to the water balloons to the whatever it was, right. it's like, well, they're they're not wasting any time. They're trying to keep – and it's a lawn, people sitting on a lawn. And I took some things back from that as, as far as making things bigger, make it a little bit more fun. And then last night you did what we just talked about in the building, that anticipation, with the uh, joke about Satan's wife. Right. You let it all out there, and then you get – I got some questions, <laughs> right? Is that the word? Right, yeah. right. Uh, first off, I didn't know Satan was married. You know, but you you pause between that, so you let them know you had questions, and that was funny. And then before you got into your questions, they f- started formulating their questions. Right. 
<laughs> so that when you would say yours, it would meet them, or they would anticipate that you would get there to theirs. Right. Very, very good stuff. And um, I will try to drop some of your stuff into the podcast okay. so people can hear some of these jokes. That's cool. But yeah, the anticipation without milking it, and that's like a fine line. Right, right. It's just, it's just, it's, it's rhythm. You know, comedy is beats. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a guy this morning about Darren Stribble, uh about a bit I'm doing about uh, elephant. So the joke is, when I was a kid, like so, kids now can Google all this information. It's like when I was a kid, we had to go to the dictionary. If I didn't know how to spell a word, my mother would tell me to look it up in the dictionary. And I'm like, Mama, I don't know how to spell a word. And I was like, I spent four weeks in the L's looking for elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was asking, is it funnier to say four weeks or say a month? Like just mm -hmm. those little tweaks. I think that's how we keep working on the craft. Like I think there's an opportunity. And I think the beat of me saying, I spent four weeks, space, 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 in the L's space looking for elephant. And that mm -hmm. just, it brings everyone together and then the punchline. So yeah. I think four weeks is a better beat. It, it Rhythm is better than if I say a hard month. Right. And I think even I would try it by saying I was in the L's for four weeks and let, let, let right. them dial right. it in right. that way. Right, right, trying to figure out what was he doing yeah. there. Because they'll start to figure, he, oh, he was thinking elephant with L-E-P. <laughs> and so I was, saying, I was stuck in the L's. Right. And I think you'll get a laugh and go, for four, four weeks. weeks. And that'll get a bigger laugh. Right. Looking then, for elephants. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for the word elephant. <laughs> That's excellent. But it is all timing, and it's it's always uh, it's like a Rubik's cube, you know, twisting it and turning it and go, okay, all the all the colors line up on this side. Right. Let's do that. Um, that's really nice. And Claiborne Cox is another guy who's very good at patience. Right. I mean, I don't know any. Uh, I told him in the podcast I did with him. Bob Hope and you had the patience to wait a minute if you needed it. It's like awkward. Yeah. Waiting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah. Especially when, you, when you've when you gone through the material and you know where you're going to get the laugh, then you can build that up a little bit more. Exactly. It's tricky when you first try the stuff out. Do you find you still kind of rush the new stuff a tiny bit, or are you kind of building in that space right out of the get-go? You know, what's funny to me is when people laugh at places you don't typically, you, you're used to them laughing at. So it's like, whoa, where mm -hmm. did that come from? So that's the thing with the new stuff. I don't know where the laugh is going to be. And sometimes where I think the laugh is going to happen, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then it may be that follow-up comment. So punchlines are always been my kind of bugaboo of, like, I, my premises. I even have, like, good premises. I have to be really structured to say that's the punchline. Like, mm -hmm. this is the payoff. And so sometimes I figure out the punchline and then have to go back and write a joke to fit the punchline. Absolutely. Yeah, I do that sometimes, right? I'll think of the punchline first and go, okay, how can I set this up? Right. And then you realize, man, there could be 20, 30 different ways, right. but there's one best way. Right. And then and once you get that piece together. And I used to kind of feel bad because if I had a great premise and I didn't have a punchline, I, I used to get frustrated versus saying, well, sit that over there and let it simmer in a pot and we'll come back to that later. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's you know, I, someone told me very early in my comedy career, behind every joke is a comma not a period so there's always something that you can add on to it so that's a good way to look at hey this is not working let me put a comma here and come back yeah and, and no, that's a good point and, and jokes other thing i always find interesting about comedy is 
you're the one who decides when the joke is done, but there's right. always probably something else you could do. Right. But you know you your audience, and, and even if they're not your audience, once they are in front of you, you know how far you can take certain things and right. you know, how long you can stay on a topic. And, and when you start getting anxious to get out of it, they're going to be too. Right. So if you're comfortable doing like, you know, Brian Regan is pretty good at staying in a topic for a long period of time. Seinfeld the same way. Jim Gaffigan probably more than anybody. He'll stay yeah. on bacon for 20 minutes. Right. You know, but if there's one more angle, he's going to find it in there somewhere. You know, and I and I, the, the idea about a period, there's probably always something to add, but there's a period for you. Like right. there's a time where you're like, I'm kind of tired of doing this. Or, you know, like last night I didn't do my not right, not wrong, my skipping joke. And people say, man, you still do it. I'm like, yeah, I do it, but I, I have more stuff that right. I like doing there was a time where i had to do it yeah like i don't have to do it now so that's a nice feeling it's isn't good it? to yeah it's good to have some hits that you don't play it's like yeah. oh yeah i forgot about that and I, and I literally did for you know when i was up there because i had you know i was trying to stay within the 20 to 25 minute mm-hmm. range so by the time i got to stuff i wanted to do my new stuff the stuff that was working you know you just want to have too many hits like oh yeah okay i'll get that next time right uh, so yeah. that that was a good feeling to walk away, and I totally just was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't do that," and I never and I didn't plan to do it in the beginning, so I, it just wasn't on my radar. Oh, that's even better, right? When you walk out there, go, "Hey, that worked even better than I thought it was going to." Yeah, because sometimes you need to do it, like you need yeah. to go get it. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's good. A you, call to the bullpen. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh oh, we're replacing pitchers after the first inning. This is yeah. not good. It's yeah, 14 pitches in the first one minute. Like, what is happening? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I've never Walk thought of it. Four like, batters. <laughs> we got your pitch count on stage. We got to get somebody else in here. That's funny. I wonder if the sound guys, like the manager's, like, oh, we, we got to send somebody up to the stage. He's just walk bases just calm alone. Calm him down a little bit. Calm him down. Just take the ball out of his hands. Calm him down. There's a time Tell him to throw out. outside, walk right. the next guy, give us some time to warm Start up. Start warming yeah. up your shoulder, man. <laughs> We've got to put you in the game. That is pretty funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's awesome. How long? When did you start comedy? So I started doing comedy. I did a New Year's Eve service at my church 2005. Okay, so that wasn't too long ago, really. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Grand scheme of things. Yeah. So you did this show at your church on New Year's Eve. Like, had you... How did they know that you wanted to do comedy? If you so hadn't done it? there was a, a comedian that I go to church with a guy named Akintunde. Oh, so yeah. Akintunde, club guy, mm-hmm. was out you know, out of Savannah doing comedy for years on the road, gotten saved, um, gave his life to Christ, stopped doing club comedy, and started doing clean. And so he came to our church, and we were serving together in the media ministry. I wasn't a comedian or anything. You know, I just was a brother at the church. So I always, you know, I was always funny. I had funny ideas, but I never thought to be, oh, man, I could, I can do this. Yeah. So we're serving together in the media ministry, and I would run ideas by him. I was like, hey, man, you ever thought about this? You ever thought about that? And we would laugh. Then we would kind of get into those uh, cracking jokes on one another sessions, like the, like the whole team. But there were moments where I would be the last person standing then he would annihilate me, but yeah. I was yeah. in the fight longer than anybody else. Right. So I started to feel kind of good about myself, and then it was kind of like he wasn't going 100%. Like yeah. He's just humoring me. And so I would do those things. We would crack jokes. I would run ideas by him. And he let me do that for about 30 days. And then one day he said, look, man, this is some really good material. He said, you can either keep telling me these jokes, and I'm going to get on stage and tell them and get paid, 
or you can get on stage and tell them and get paid because I'm not going to give you the money from the jokes, you know, from yeah. the shows I do. <laughs> and I was like, well, shucks, you know, I guess I'll go up. You know, a comedian says the stuff that I'm doing is some yeah. funny stuff. So he let me open for him at our church on New Year's Eve. So he was, it was his show. And I came out and I had like a movie set. Like I had standing ovation, people in the Raptors. Woo woo, this guy's the next big thing. And I had that show and then the next two years I bombed. Like yeah. for two years straight. I just, <laughs> <laughs> was horrible. <laughs> I love it because it's so honest and it, it happens to everybody. Straight two years of bombing. So I had this like pinnacle moment. Yeah. And then I went and paid my dues for two years of oh, just man. scrapping and struggling. That two years, like how many times were you like, eh, maybe a. So here's the interesting thing. So what happened, I can today at that point had started like doing this comedy competition. This was the first time he had did it. So he identified two other guys. So I he he saw that, you know, he let me open for him and then he was like, Well man, I'm gonna start taking you out with me. So he identified the winner of the first competition, a guy named uh Todd Mickens, and then uh, another guy, Corey Johnson, was the second runner up or the you know, second place guy. So he started taking us on the road. Now I didn't know the two of them bonded. They were like, Hey man, we were in this competition together. So they were competitive with one another. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, tonight I'm going to be funnier than you. They thought I was peers with Akintunde. They thought I was kind of in the comedy game and I was just a step below. Op. And they're like, I've never done comedy. Like, I did the thing at my church. So the three of us were on the road. The lineup was Corey was first, Todd was second, I was third, then Ock. So out of the bunch, Todd had the most talent and ability, just naturally mm -hmm. funny. He just had, a, I mean, he looks funny. Like, people want to laugh at him. Like, he just has that charismatic personality. Corey was more um, technical. He had good jokes, but his stage presence wasn't strong. But he was always a solid. So I used to, I tell people, Todd is either, like on a scale of one to 10, every night he was either going to be an eight or a 10, mm -hmm. like somewhere between there. Like, even in his worst nights, he was still an eight. And when he was a ten, he was a ten. Corey would, you know, would hover around a six, seven. Like he was pretty solid out the gate. Good show start, and he kind of was methodic in his his pacing. Ty would come there, set it on fire. Now here I come. I have great material. Like I had great concepts and jokes, but my stage presence was awful. So at best, I would be a seven. But at worst, I was like a four. Mm -hmm. So. Sometimes Todd would light it on fire, and then I'd get out there and just tear the room all the way down, bring all the energy down. But it didn't matter because Ock was going to come up right. and do a great show. Like, So I didn't know how valuable it was for us to get that experience. And so I would, you know, but I was still getting shows separate from the group. So I would get, you know, individual shows where I would do really well. Like I'd do my 20 minutes or 15 minutes and, and have really good sets. And I would always say this too. I was the funniest comedian in the car on the way to the show. Uh -huh. like, I was killing <laughs> in the car. Like I and I longed for the person in the car to be the person on stage. And it and I, I was like, when I can get the guy out of the car yeah. on the stage, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in good good shape. And it didn't happen till like two years later. And we all knew when it happened. Like they knew when when you know, when I would have my shows, they were like, Ah, good show, but it's yeah. like, man, you you were much better on the way up.
But that night that it happened, it was like something's something's changed. And what like, do you think that was? Was it just comfort level, or just it was kinda... pride? So uh-huh. the spiritual part of it was I wasn't. I was doing comedy because I wanted to do comedy. I was doing comedy because I can tune. They said, "Hey, man, you should do comedy." I thought it was cool, so I would get up. I would do five minutes of ideas I thought about on the way to the show. Like that was my start. Then if you ever saw me, I'm a really sharp dresser, so I have bow ties, I have on suits. And I would get up there and say that. I was like, oh, look at my cool suit. Look at my cool bow tie. But it was kind of self-deprecating, but it wasn't that self-deprecating because I would say something like, yeah, but I got a hole in my sock. Come on, man. Like, So I turned the audience off immediately. Like my first five minutes was death because I I was doing new material. Then I was up there talking about how cool my suit is and my bow tie. And I really had a come to Jesus moment where God was like, who are you talking? And I wasn't even talking to the audience. I just was doing it for you. For me, I just was like peacocking around on stage. I was just strutting around. And I didn't really care. I mean, I wanted to do well, but I wasn't I wasn't thinking about the audience. I wasn't looking at people. I looked over their heads. Mm -hmm. I never considered them. It was all about my good one. It was all about, oh, I got this new joke that I thought about. Oh man, I got this pocket square that matches my shirt or some right. stupid thing I was thinking. And I just get up there and bomb. Like the audience immediately knew he's not here for us. He's up there by himself. Mm-hmm. We're gonna sit here for seven minutes and then we're gonna erase him out of our memory. You know, we're gonna get on Facebook or do whatever we're gonna yeah. do. So once I realized that, hey man, you're talking to a room of people. Like you're not just up there doing a, a recitation or right. a, a monologue. Right. That's when it changed, you know. So the cool thing now, before I go up, my wife will text me and say, "Have fl- have fun and bless the people." So like that's our common. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing those two things, I had a good night. Like if I had fun and I blessed the people, that's what it's about. And so once I started blessing people, that's when the when the change. Yeah, absolutely. That's when the change happened. And that's funny. I was talking to somebody recently too, and they were, it's a totally different conversation about totally different subject matter. Right. But they they were used to doing the same thing like that five to seven minutes you were kind of comfortable doing that you'd gotten used to doing right and uh we kind of took away from the conversation that a lot of times people get into a comfortable place and don't realize it's not the right place to be in right just because you're comfortable there doesn't make it right 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 makes it routine right so you got to get yourself uncomfortable sometime or look at the situation and see if it's the right place to be am i supposed to even be here yeah in this comfortable seat right this might be someone else's seat absolutely i mean just think People, people hanging out with friends, they're comfortable around them. It's not the right group of friends. Right. There's, right. I mean, there's a million different ways you can apply that. But right. You get kind of lulled into this is what I did yesterday. This will come, but you never can break out of it unless right. you explore a little bit. So that's, and that's cool. Yeah, that's what happened, man. I, I really had to tell myself, Mike, you're not in the audience. Like mm-hmm. you're not talking to you. Even when the way I was writing jokes, I was writing jokes for me to laugh. And I think most comedians do that. We do find material that we find funny. But I have a weird sense of humor, so I need to be more open to mm-hmm. like, okay, that one step is too many steps. Like, stop at that step. Like, if when I'm really met my group and people that love me and know me, then I can take that next step. But as you're building, you know, you want material for everyone to enjoy and have a good time. So I wasn't even writing to the audience. I was just writing to what I thought was funny. Yeah. And some people say do that. and. That should be part of the equation, yeah. but it shouldn't be the only part. Right. Or else you're just going to be and selling that CDs was, to yourself. Right. It was mine. <laughs> that was 90% of it. I had the 10 <laughs> of other people. Another thing about the South, we love nicknames in the South. 
lovely names. There's some people I've been knowing my entire life. I don't know their real names. <laughs> my brother called me the other day. He said, hey, man, you know Mark Davis's mom passed away. I said, man, I don't know no Mark Davis, man. He's like, stank you, man. Stank your mama passed. Oh, wait. I'm like, why you ain't say that from the start? I need to give Stank a call. We nickname people out the foods. I know a cornbread, a pork chop, and a collard green. I know this one dude, his nickname is Boss, and he ain't got no job. I'm like, who you the boss of yourself? Yeah, but I think white dudes have the coolest nicknames. I really do. Because white dudes' nicknames go with them their entire life. White dudes have nicknames like Rusty, Skip, Chip. Like, your nickname could be Chip. You could be the CEO of a bank. You could have Chip on your business cards. The brothers can't do that. Pookie can't be a branch manager <laughs> at the bank. You don't trust your money with Pookie. I'm like, right this way, Dr. Junebug will see you. I'm like, no, he will not. What you're not going to do is have me in a room with a Dr. Junebug. That's what, you, that's what you're not going to do. Yeah. yeah, the connecting with the audience is, that's my number one thing like if, if i'm not connecting with them then it, i could do this at home what are we doing here you know and to be and it's not always easy to do but to leave pockets in there for disruption for for great things to happen in the right. cracks right you know that's important it takes a little time and confidence to do all that but a lot of the good stuff is it's not planned right but you're alert to it right you even can, last night when i said whatever i said about the hot sweater i did that wasn't what was planned <laughs> like right. i was hot and yeah. I had a sweater on, and, and people were looking at me. Right. It's like, dude, you got a sweater on. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So I acknowledged the elephant in the room, huge laugh, and we went on. Yeah. And, and a lot of the audience was looking for elephant in the L's. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> they were just searching. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'll be back with this joke in a minute. I got three more weeks and six more days and 23 hours but and I'm a 50 more it. minutes. I'm going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. And so you're in South, South Carolina. Right. Who are people in your area that you can hang out with as far as comedy? Is is Ox still around? Or? Ox, yeah, Ox still um, in Columbia. He's on the road a lot, mm -hmm. um, and we go to the same church. So we we connect regularly. Uh, Marty Simpson's in town. Uh, Corey Johnson, the guy I talked about, he's another guy. The other guy, Ty's not even doing stand up anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's you know one of the unfortunate parts of this of our our genre you know you people that you started off with you may not end with yeah we're uh, all four of you guys in that gas too high tour did you pieces of it yeah that were pieces of it i think at that point he started incorporating like horace b hb sanders i think joy ilo was on mm -hmm. a few of those small fire maybe so i may have got a spot date we were the we were all the stuff that happened before that stuff okay you know so we would have we were like the guinea pig chores. Like we I did. I think I saw you on that in Tennessee, not too far from Nashville. Right. We might, yeah, Dixon, we might have did something. or someplace right. like that. Um, but we did some, man. We did some uh, weird. <laughs> I remember we did some. Uh, we did a date. I guess it was a tour. Quote. I'm air quoting tours. I hear people. So we went to Tupelo, Mississippi, and we basically got a hotel and cold called people. 
it's like, hey, come out this weekend to the whatever comedy show at this hotel. So he had a hotel room. And we would call it. We weren't ourselves. Like, we were representing yeah, yeah, yeah. this agency. Yeah. And we want to let you know about this comedy opportunity in your city. Right. And so we did that, man. And, like, the only people that came out were there was a church having services there. And I think we were there for three nights. And that same church came out. And they weren't a big church. So they probably had, like, seven people. Oh, wow. So it was like, wow. Um, and that was kind of, like, my orientation to – to comedy and I have a unique kind of thing I, I was solely in churches for about four years mm-hmm. I, I just all you know I started in church and I only did churches I was getting church gigs but I always had my interest in like man I want I bet you I could do well in the club because you know there's there's that kind of thing that happens in some Christian circles about club versus Is church club funny and right clean? right right so I always had I wanted to be good like I didn't care right where the venue was i wanted wherever people were let, lined up i want a microphone and make those people laugh and and ak was really i mean he was a great mentor as, as it relates to and getting me opportunities to go on the road i mean the amount of stage time i got at that early age i mean most times when you start off you're getting five minutes at an open mic if that three right, minutes right you know we were getting 10 to 15 minutes a night on in, in legitimate shows to fail like I, mm-hmm. I there were times i just went up there was horrible and uh you almost went no tie comedy yeah it was like no <laughs> tie comedy like what you're not gonna do out of here <laughs> <laughs> and so we had this great opportunity but he kind of cautioned us about the club in terms of like the road dog perspective mm-hmm. of the, club. the trappings. yeah just like don't get caught up and just kind of this existence of going to this place, to this place, to this place, and you just can't get it's like having a job. Like right. you didn't you left your job, you didn't leave your job to to get caught up in another job. Like you wanted to create a career. So I kinda looked at the club like, wow, that looks kinda cool. Like all of my buddies that were Christian guys that were working clubs. And then Spanky Brown, who just recently uh-huh. Passed. Um, he was at Columbia. He was in, in Columbia, South Carolina. He did a the, the the comedy house, and he had me do a guest spot. And I did a guest spot with him there. I did a guest spot at Co- uh, Comedy Cabana in Myrtle Beach, and that kind of was my orientation to the club. And I went in like with probably thirty minutes of solid material. Like so, when you show up as a person no one has ever seen, and you got material, they're like, "What? Who? Hey, are, you what been? are you doing?" Uh-huh. Like. <laughs> Where were you doing shows? So I was kind of an anomaly in terms of uh, just when I when I arrived at the club, I had polish, I had some right. shine. I wasn't an open micer, I wasn't an MC. So I kind of I basically leaped into the feature spot, you know, by virtue of doing my time in churches. That's interesting, and that's a another good thing to always keep in mind that to to see how strong your material is. And I think it's great the more Christian comedians can pop into a comedy club and stay true. Right. I know I know several that they it's flip flop, whatever needs to get done to right, to right. rock the house. Right. And I always like, You're talented enough that you don't have to, to flop it right. and do the old clubby stuff. You know, you can do your own thing and bring them up a level right. with you. You know And that's what I, I went in with my church material. That's all I had. Mm-hmm. So I you know, it would have been weird for me to start doing like cursing and, and oh, doing vulgar like like dude you got four years over here so like 
I had to be better. Right. And I what I the way I noticed it, I, I kinda explained people to like the club was like the NFL, church is like college football. It's like uh-huh. it's a high level, but it's faster in the club. Like it's it's the yeah. speed of it just happens at a faster pace. It sure does. And there's some in the window that I was winning with in the church that they don't care. Like when I don't like if you don't say sex in the church, that's funny. Like you said, me and my wife were uh and if you just kinda uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the church that's a laugh. Yeah. But if you're in the club like me and my wife were uh, 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 uh if you're being coy, they're like what? They're like he forgot what his wife was yeah, doing. What they, was doing? <laughs> they were doing taxes. We don't know what you're doing. We all know the word. It must not be <laughs> You wouldn't have sex, apparently. <laughs> you remember that. <laughs> it must not have been. So it was those awkward learning moments yeah. of like, oh, that's not cute over here. Like right. that's not Right. That's not a thing that goes. Yeah, so you either keep the joke or you just move on past it. Right. Say something else can fill this right. space. Because yeah. the word sex doesn't make them, ooh, right. he said sex, where you could get some of a a, a reaction right. in, in the club, in the church. Yeah, it's it's good. I think it's good to dip your toes in both things and, and kind of keep things tight. Uh, for me, I like to do a lot of corporate events where I can be as wordy as I want. Right. Because they're not used to any humor at all. Right. You know, so I do try to tune it up, you know, every couple months at the club. And right. Uh, if I'm doing like a set for TV or showcase, I know I gotta get right to right, it. Right, right. I'm like, man, that's the way it should be all the time. Right. Your club, man, it just puts that sharp. It's like the edge from club work, man. I don't think there's anything that you can sharpen. Gonna jump in here just for a second and uh, give you a little update on our sponsors. We got a new sponsor for the show. It's the Art of Bombing podcast. Uh, here's a little information about them, and you can click through in the show notes to go right to it and subscribe to their podcast. I think you'll dig it. Calling all comedians and fans of comedy. Join me, Dan Bublitz Jr., every Tuesday for the Art of Bombing podcast as I talk with comedians of all levels about their worst shows and what can be learned from them. Learning lessons not only to become better comedians, but better people. The Art of Bombing takes an in-depth look at bombing on stage to turn failure into success. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. You're um, you're doing churches. Do you also do some speaking things right now? Yeah. Are you easing into that? So I know we talked about that might be another step for you. Right. So basically I've been doing club, churches, and I have been doing corporate comedy. Like So people would bring me in for a banquet or for an end of the conference type thing. Like right. to do stand-up. So I had someone reach out. They saw me do stand-up. But they were planning a conference for social workers, and they called and said, hey, I saw Mike at this thing. Does he speak at all? And uh, at that moment, I, you know, I wasn't. I was just doing comedy. And they said, man, we have this conference. It's a pretty heady, you know, pretty heavy conference of topics, neglect, abuse. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to send people away with that being right. the last thing that they thought about. You know, we would love him to do what I saw him do, but kind of put some points in there. And so I did it. Like I went in, you know, I said, well, yeah, we can, you know, when someone calls those type of bookings, you're like, yeah, we can, well, we put something together yeah. like that. You know, you make up some Say story. Yes and <laughs> you're out. like, right. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, Let me call Rick Roberts because I think <laughs> I've seen him. <laughs> so that's what you do. You say, yep, I'll do it. And then you go and figure out what you're supposed to be doing. So I did the social worker thing and I put these points in. 
and it was it went well like it was really really good and i was like wow this is this is cool and it was like on a wednesday afternoon and the paycheck was better than anything that i would have gotten at a club sure. date um and so i was like hmm this is an interesting opportunity yeah. but i went away from it and you know didn't think much of it then a similar uh opportunity happened with like the public relations or uh, association, something like PSRA or something like that. The public relations folks, they were having a national conference and they, the theme was joy and something. And they, hey, I know this comedian. And so they brought me and I did sort of the same thing. I put together this little thing. And so after that time, I was like, well, maybe this is something I need to do. Like right. I need to create this thing. But what happened with me early on, I tried to be a speaker. Well, I didn't try to be a speaker. This, this, is, this is a great story. So. I was working at the University of South Carolina in student affairs. So I was, I was getting my master's in higher ed administration, working with student uh, organizations. I was working in student life. My goal before I started doing stand-up was to become the dean of students at a, at a major university. Like if I would have been the VP of student affairs, I would have been fine. Like gotcha. I, I probably would have wanted to be a president, but I think in my mind, if I was a VP of student affairs at some college, I'm good. So that's kind of my track. I was doing that. And so when I was in graduate school, we had this leadership conference and uh, they were asking for presenters. So I had noticed while working with student organizations that our students had a hard time transitioning from students to professionals. So if you call, this was back when we had answer machines. So if you call a student answer machine, they would have like the latest song <laughs> on it. Like, boom, uh, uh, like half the song <laughs> and it's like, hey, at the beat. Leave your name and number. Peace. And it's like, whoa. Like, what if this was an internship? <laughs> or then I would email, you know, I asked a student for the email and it'd be Big Booty Judy at 23. It's like, oh, that's not good. At Hotmail. Right. <laughs> at Hotmail.com. If, if you're still slinging Hotmail, you're not getting any work. <laughs> right. But Big Booty, like, we don't need to know your physical attributes right. on your email right. address. So I was looking at all these kind of things, handshakes, eye contact. Mm -hmm. So I created this um, presentation about professionalism. Like that was basically how to transition from college to the real world. I did, it was a PowerPoint. I had these slides. I did this research, dress for success, all this stuff. I felt really strongly about it. I felt good about the presentation. And I think we had like a student-led uh, leadership conference that I presented and there were students from all over the state. And I killed, like I was doing my presentation, but I was funny. Mm -hmm. Like I. Cause I had these examples like big booty Jude, you know, and I had all this stuff that I was telling them information, but I was being right. humorous with it. And it was, I, mean, I was really killing. Like I didn't know what that was at the sure. time, but I was killing. And afterwards there was a group of students that was from USC union. It was, a, I think they were a two year college and they came up to me and they were just like, Oh my goodness, this is one of the best presentations I've ever It was so funny. It was so great. Oh, we would love, you, you know, at some point for you to come to our campus. You know, that type of thing. I was like, oh, yeah, cool, no problem. That was Saturday. Monday morning I get a call from, like, their dean of students saying, hey, man, a group of our students came back really excited about you. They want you to come. Would you be interested in being our Black History Month speaker? So I was like, sure. Now, I've never spoken, and I've never spoken as it related to black history. Mm -hmm. I'm black, but I didn't. I was like, okay. I did a presentation on professionalism. So I'm like, I don't know how I can do that. So I created like this 
the speech about Black History Month, and I went and did research, and I bombed. Like, I went up there that day. I didn't get anybody's advice. I, I just was like, I'm going to do this. Like, maybe it's my calling. Uh-huh. Man, I bombed so bad. It was horrible. Like, it was bad. I could tell just <laughs> my mouth was dry. Oh, that's, that's when you know it's not going they well. They had news cameras. It was bad, man. They... You know, people don't want to shake your hand after they don't have a lot of conversation yeah. for you're not really engaging. It's yeah. kind of like, so when you're gonna head back up the road? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. No. It is different to bomb comedy versus in a speech. You know, right. they're, they're far more pleasant than, yeah. than, <laughs> than, than <laughs> a comedy show. But I bombed, and I knew I bombed, and I just in that moment was like, I'm never speaking again. Like something in my brain said, it was that tough. Speaking's not for yeah. me. Like I'm out of here. And so I always, even once I started doing stand-up, people have always asked me, did I preach or speak? And I was like, nah, 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 mm-hmm. I'm comedy, man. I, you know, I don't do that other stuff. And, and part of it, too, I knew some speakers, and I knew some speakers that were doing well, and I saw them kind of throw stuff together at the last minute and get up and do it. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I want to really be passionate about my topic. And so with those two kind of, um, opportunities I had, I started thinking like, what would I be interested in talking about? And I love leadership. Like, you know, oftentimes people say, well, what would be the thing that you do that if, you know, if it didn't have, if money's not an issue and I probably would go and get a PhD. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I would get an, an advanced degree and probably like leadership studies or something like, you know, something that there's no real job for. Like, right, I just right. love <laughs> Like, like you, <laughs> you're not gonna get a position. After no. that. I'm gonna let you tell a story, but it just reminded me of a a joke. I don't know if you ever saw Brett Leak, uh-uh. but he would always talk about. I think he framed it with the Republican convention, or right, whatever. Right. But he goes, uh, "I always like going to these Republican meetings. They're like, let's go to the leadership conference. Where is it? I'm not sure. Follow me." <laughs> exactly. But that's your passion. So yeah, man, I'm all about leadership. You know, I joined the army after high school. I um. I was commissioned as a, you know as a as an army a signal officer when I was on co- when I was on campus in college I was in everything I was in a fraternity I was a, a student ambassador I was a resident assistant like I'm all about mm-hmm. leadership like it's just something about leadership that just I'm very passionate and interested in and so I started thinking wow leadership and laughter and I came up with this concept of um, leadership lessons I've learned from doing stand-up comedy. So I could do this presentation called Leadership and Laughter, and that's kind of what was born out of these opportunities. So now, I, you know, I've been, you know, booked to do, I've, you know, I've spoken at credit unions, I've spoken at hospital associations. Um, I just mo- most recently spoke at, at the South Carolina Department of Human Health and Human Services. So a lot of those opportunities start happening um, because I started, you know, figuring out, okay, how, and I, and I've created like a video and mm-hmm. a presentation that, Hey man, if y'all are interested in booking, I have this presentation available. And I went in, got a speaker's website. So you can go to Mike Goodwin speaks as opposed to, you know, comedian, Mike if you're looking for keynote. And so I did that. And I most recently just did a commencement speech at Pinewood prep, a private right. school in Somerville, South Carolina. So yeah, that, that branch, I guess, of my my business is is pretty is expanding pretty, That's awesome. pretty rapidly. Yeah, and it's funny. There's there's always going to be comedians that are 
hundred percent. If you're not doing just comedy, then what's going on? But I, I do think as you get older, comedy is the vehicle for information. I mean, it's not like we can pop in and do an hour anywhere and do comedy, but we're fine. But there's there's more to it. Right. And I think God always gives us our primary talent. I think He gives us some secondary talents. Right. And so once we develop the first one, which is communicating, the second talent is to use that for something bigger. Right. And so that's great that you're kind of in that wheelhouse now, and it's it's opportunities are opening up because there's no lack of people that need to learn those skills. And, and what more do you need in a corporate environment than a good laugh? Like, mm-hmm. there, your retention is a major thing. Morale is a tremendous thing. Employee satisfaction. I mean, there's areas that if you brought in a speaker that had a great presentation that energized your organization along with all the other great things you're doing. That's just a good point. That's a good piece. Like mm-hmm. my presentation is not going to change the trajectory of your business possibly, but me included with all the other great things you're doing, this is a great place to work. Like that's just a great benefit. And and what you were saying earlier, I got to the point where, you know, I, I'm like many comedians, you know, I, I, I started, Someone said I was funny or I was funny. I got up on that mic and I was like, I want to be the best that I can be. I'm going to be the best comedian ever. And so I, I picked up the banner of comedy and I was like, I'm going, you know, I was in these churches. Well, I need to go to clubs. I started going to clubs. I started going to open mics. I cut my teeth. I, I got on the road. I did all the stuff that they tell us to do except for like moving to L.A. and New York. I separated those things. I applied for festivals. I auditioned. I did all that stuff. And I got to the point where like, why am I holding the banner of comedy? Like comedy's not gonna send me a reward at the end of this and say, man, you are a great soldier right. in the army of comedy. It's right. like, <laughs> comedy's a skill. Yes. And when my identity was a comedian, I missed opportunities for things that wasn't comedy. But I, re- I realized that I'm a leader. I have the skill of doing stand-up comedy. So I'm a comedian. I'm proud of being a comedian, but I have that skill along with my desire is to help people grow as leaders in life. So if you get a laugh, I'm ecstatic about that. But what I want you to have is a better life. I want you to walk away after an interaction with me saying, man, I can do a little bit more. I, I have a little bit more information I can make a little better decision. My One of my life's motto is I want to leave things better than the way I found them. Whether that's with comedy, whether that's with speaking, whether that's with just being a good friend. You know, I just right. think that we can get caught up with our identity as being a comedian. And I think that limits that limits us oh, in yeah. some regard. No, it's, and it's typical because, I mean, comedy is an ego driven art form, right. you know, and we do get stuck trying to prove ourselves probably more than improve improving ourselves right and then if we get the part where we improve ourselves then we can affect others right but just proving to somebody that i'm funny like that that check doesn't cash it's just a check you got no no bank cashes that check right and you probably got that validation years ago like when the first person laughed you funny yeah like yeah when do you keep what when do you keep like you keep moving the standard and the other thing i often say Okay, you're funny, but what are you doing with that platform? Right. Like, how are you improving the world? Yeah. Like, what is your legacy? What What are you doing with that uh, that gift, that that talent, that ability? And I just have made up in my mind, 
man, I'm going to leave a mark on this place, whether it's comedically, whether it's as a leader, whether it's as a husband, whether it's as a father. My life is more than how much money I made doing stand-up or how whether I was a ho- household name or if I was the next Richard Pryor, Chris Rock, Seinfeld, Jay Chappelle, Kevin Hart, whoever. It's like I begin to set what I think success is. Like when you when you have other people tell you what success is, you – You'll be running around like a chicken with your head cut oh, yeah. off. I know what success is in my mind, and that's the direction that I head. That's good. And that makes it easy to say no to things that don't follow that path. Exactly. When you don't have that path, it's and like, then that Ooh. It's, it's kind of like you can't reap where you're not sowing. So how am I going to get bigger opportunities? I'm always sowing in small things. Not that I'm too big to do small opportunities, but, man, I got, I got big vision. Right. And so – to argue, you know, I'm, I'm thinking currently, like where I am in my career, I'm not, and I and I'm and I say this a little facetiously. I don't care about bookings. If I do what I'm supposed to do, I'm gonna get bookings. Right, everything like, will fall I, I, I'm at a place where I'm getting bookings, even if I have to say, okay, I'll, hey, let everybody know my price is a couple hundred bucks. I work every day, right? Right. right. But my goal is to say. No, man, I want to leave a legacy for my family. I mean, I think I could reach more people. So if I reach people in a comedy club, imagine how many people I could meet reaching an arena or, or meet with, with a book or, or with a lecture or mm-hmm. what. So I I love comedy. I'm a student of comedy. I, I, I am the comics comic, but it's a vehicle to get me where I think my life story is to be told. So That's good. Well, man, it's good hanging out with you today. Oh, man, thanks for having me. I could probably talk hours and hours. (laughs) Like, you're on my favorite subjects, comedy and leadership. Hey, man, I love it, man. All day long on that. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Good to spend some time with you. Thanks for having me on, man. uh, Oh, it's going to be great. I'll cut in some of your comedy, too, so people can hear you. Good stuff. It's going to be fun. And I'll also let them know where to find you Okay. Very cool. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike Goodwin. Check him out, Mike Goodwin online. It's comedian. MikeGoodwin.com. You can follow him on Twitter or find him on. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Mike Goodwin. You can find him online. It's ComedianMikeGoodwin.com. That has all of his tour dates, all his information about his uh, speaking as well as his comedy. A lot of good stuff in there. And uh, I think he's just a fun guy to know. So if you're not following him already, you should get in there and follow Mike Goodwin. Have some fun with him. Uh, Don't forget, I've got the Third Coast Comedy Graduation Show on July 12th. The writing class, July 9, 16, and 23, is right around the corner. So you want to make sure you get involved with that. That's uh, Monday nights, July 9, 16, and 23. You do need to reserve a spot for that, so shoot me an email, schooloflaughs at gmail.com. And again, don't forget to check out the Art of Bombing podcast. Uh, A lot of different episodes, a lot of interesting folks, lots of stories about horrendous, torturous bombing stage sets so check it out and check us out next time here on the school of last podcast stay safe stay hydrated and stay funny thanks for listening to the school of laughs podcast if you'd like to hear more school of last podcast you can find them on itunes and stitcher.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for information on upcoming live and online classes visit schooloflaughs.com Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.